0: you guys titled this, fake it till you make it. Now, if I'm a person that suffers from imposter syndrome, you, you, like, you've like you triggered me in seven different ways with that because I'm like, fake it. I'm not good at being fake. Everybody's gonna tell that I'm a fake and I don't wanna fake it, this is awful. Please don't tell me to fake it because I don't even know how to fake it. Welcome back everyone to the Geeks, Geezers and Googleization show the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran.
1: Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, a show from the People Forward Network. I'm Ira Wolf and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation.
2: And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We are the voice of the most important crucial conversations confronting business leaders and people today. And our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the impact and convergence of business, technology, and people.
1: Trying to be confident today in today's never normal is really, really tough. According to Gallup's Negative Experience Index, which was just recently updated, it set a new record. It's hard to be confident if you're stressed, sad, worried, in physical pain. In a a world of perpetual uncertainty, when we are bombarded through social media expectations to be our Sunday best, how does the average person keep up and fit in? How do we deal with anxious high achievers and overcome what they call the imposter syndrome. And I think we've all been afflicted with that. Everybody thinks that it looks easy to do what we do or stand on stage or to present or do whatever type of work we do. And we're all living in this never normal, uh, we all have this imposter syndrome. So you're in for a treat today, Googleization nation. We've got Alex Perry, she's joining us and she is a recovering anxious high achiever i think there's a a a few of those around she started her business from ground up she navigated around a couple career hurdles and and life disruptions and she understands what it's like to struggle with confidence and is ready to share her tips for success to all of you in Googleization nation she's also founder of practically speaking and the author of minivan mogul and the new update what she calls the driver's manual to minivan mogul just came out that's what we're going to be talking about today but before we get there jason let's introduce googleization nation again to our our new segment perfect labor store on each episode we're going to, to focus on one disruptive surprising or worrisome trend i think i already gave you one on the negative on the gallup negative experience index Uh, that we believe is going to affect us. So today's perfect labor storm stats include 13% of Americans are satisfied with the way things are going. Only 13% of Americans are satisfied with the way things are going. That's according to Gallup. Only 27% are confident in major American institutions like government schools, businesses, justice systems, and even organized religion. And many of our, listeners are likely one of 91 percent, this is scary, 91 percent of workers who say they feel distressed, stressed, burned out, or miserable. And if only one out of four is ready to, if if one out of four people are ready to quit their jobs, then it seems like a lack of confidence is holding another two-thirds of all the workers back.
2: Holy moly, Ira. I mean, confidence is a hot topic right now in virtually every aspect of our lives, uh, but probably for the wrong reasons, just like you stated with our perfect labor storm segment there. I mean, the confidence in our political systems at an all time low, confidence in employers taking care of employees is low, confidence in our ability to overcome existential threats like climate change and the ongoing pandemic are low, confidence in fighting things like inflation and gun violence are low too. And then confidence in certain investments like stocks have even fallen and helped pave the way for alternative investments like crypto and Web3 projects. And for some folks, confidence in their personal futures with all of a sudden and pervasive change might be low, too. But then I looked at those first images last week from the James Webb Space Telescope. I'm pretty sure that we never thought that we'd be able to see light from 13.7 billion years ago. I mean, just 100 years ago, we didn't even know that there were galaxies outside of our own. So the lesson for me is amazing things are on the other side of our doubts and fears. The doubts and fears are just simply steps in the never-ending pursuit of growth and happiness in our lives. And that's why I'm stoked that we've got Alex joining us today to help offer some keys to breaking through the other side of those doubts and
1: fears. So right before we bring Alex on, just want to remind everybody that for listening to shows like today and all the other podcasts, you can get SHRM credits, SHRM Professional Development Credits. Uh, we actually made it easy for you. Uh, you can go to googleizationnation.com and up in the right hand corner on the menu, just click on podcasts and right underneath that is the link that you can click and there's a form to fill out just to verify that you listened and you learned a few things. Uh, But you can go up there and you can gain anywhere from a half to a full credit, depending on the length of the podcast. So easy way to earn credits. Uh, while you're there, you can join Googleization Nation. It's free, and you'll get updates about this and other events and a lot of exciting activities that are coming down And the pike. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. We'll, we'll be talking about those later. Uh, and also, uh, we will be putting this up, if you're listening to this uh, on a podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, please rate it, the show and uh, leave a review. We'd really love to spread the word and, and grow the audience. So right now, I think it's a pretty good time to bring on Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys.
2: Thank you for joining us today. As you heard in the opening segment, we have a lot of people uh, struggling with confidence in a lot of aspects of their lives. And so we are thrilled to have you on to help set the record straight and share your secret tips for success and how we get the train back on the right track. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a guru in the area of helping people become more confident.
0: Thank you for having me. And my story is, I think, like a lot of people's stories, if you start to listen. So I did not set out with the intention to be a public speaker or a communications trainer. I am, my background is as a speech language pathologist, which means that for nearly 20 years of my career, I spent my time helping people who either by accident or illness or injury, lost their ability to speak, maybe didn't have it to begin with. So the age ranges that I worked with were from NICU babies all the way up to like 105, I think was my oldest patient. And so uh, this gift that we have in our ability to communicate is something that it really weighs heavy on me because I know what it looks like. And I sit I sat with people day after day after day who lost that ability, people who we're talking one day and not talking the next. And so for me, looking at the world and especially the professional world, there's so much opportunity for us to use communication as a tool to get us where we need to go, to make the changes that we want to create, to create the impact that we want to create in the world. It it all stems from communication. So my path was, was was really helping those who had lost it. And then just through a really... Odd series of events. I knew I wanted to do some type of coaching. I was always the type of person that people said, Hey, you know, you, you know you're a great coach. And I thought that was going to be like a CrossFit coach and all sorts of crazy stuff along the way. Um, I launched out seven years ago and started in what you would consider to be corporate communication. So helping people with public speaking, storytelling. Uh, internal communications, external communications, all of the traditional public speaking. And so it has been a crazy wild journey of my own, like going through my own struggles to communicate, going through my own struggles of feeling like an imposter, feeling like I didn't belong. Who am I to do this? Like I don't have enough experience to do this. I don't have enough ex- like I come from the healthcare. i will be like I come from healthcare. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Like I can barely use Google. I broke Google. I talk about that in the book. Um, I broke Google. I actually stumped them. It turns out they don't know everything. Uh, I might get in trouble for saying that, but it's true. <laughs> Anyway, so that's how I got here. So for the last five years, practically speaking, has been my business, and I am crazy passionate about helping people use their power of communication for good.
2: That's amazing. And one of the things you mentioned there, imposter syndrome, just to kind of tee things up today, yeah. some of our listeners, they may maybe it is the first time they've heard of imposter syndrome. Can you just kind of at a high level describe what is this imposter syndrome that you referenced there?
0: Yeah. And first of all, it's called imposter syndrome. I didn't give it that name. It was originally coined in 1978. And so I want people to know, because you can hear speech language pathologists and imposter syndrome and think, what the heck's wrong with me? You're not sick. You don't have an illness. This is a really common occurrence. Some people are calling it the imposter experience now because so many people experience it. But imposter syndrome at a really high level are feelings of inadequacy, doubt, and incompetence, despite evident success. So you take a person who has clearly, like they have their degree, they went to school, they have a great job, they have a car, they have all the things and they're like, I suck. This is really hard, I'm not good. I'm looking at you know Jimmy, but Jimmy has two degrees. Maybe I should get another degree. Maybe I should get a third degree. I couldn't possibly do that because I don't have the certification. Who am I to be here? I walk into the room and I look at everybody else and I think, I don't belong here. They're smarter than me. So thus, imposter syndrome comes in many different shapes and sizes, but that's it in a tiny nutshell.
2: Perfect. And so it almost sounds the way you're describing it, that it's inner dialogue, like the way we talk to ourselves. Is that accurate?
0: 100%. 100%. So it is that inner voice, that voice of doubt, that voice that nags at you. My friend calls it the little bee in your head Uh, that tells you all sorts of negative things. And many of us, and especially those of us who grew up with a need to achieve, with a need to prove ourselves, we hear that all the time. So and it, again, it can occur in lots of different ways. You can be a perfectionist where uh, I, it's not good enough for me to send out. It's, it, it, nothing's ever good enough. You can be the type of imposter who doesn't get started, who procrastinates because they're like, if I if I try, then I might fail. And if I fail, then that would suck. And I'm not going to suck. So I'd rather just not do anything. So I'm just going to sit here and be frozen, you have that type of imposter. The comparison imposter syndrome, which says I have a sister that's way more successful than me, so I'll never be as good as. So yeah, it is definitively an inner dialogue. And I believe that all of our communication, if we're going to remediate our communication, or not remediate, but if we're gonna enhance our communication, we have to start with how we talk to ourselves, period.
1: Alex, it sounds like we got to lay a, a lot of people down on the couch. Uh, we'll have to send them to uh, <laughs> to Jason uh, for treatment and therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, are there, as, as you were talking through that, I mean, the one thing that just struck me is when you said that, well, I'm just not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I just can't do that. You know, we talk about growth and fixed mindset all the time. Yes, uh, We've got a coaching program for a, AQ+, growth mindset, and it's about, it's about changing that. Um, but I, I'm wondering you know my first inclination was so is is there a difference between genders um guys and you know guys and gals um and you know this and, and then i you know the name of the show is geek skeezers googleization was my book it was about the four generations what about you know our our baby boomers hey they don't have imposter syndrome but boy gen z they got to stand up and fake it till they make it uh so have are there differences between you know, generations, between genders? What, what have you found or what's the research say?
0: Yep, so here's what I found in the research is actually there's not a genetic difference. So initially the very first study that looked at imposter syndrome was done on women, but research since 1978 has thus expanded. And it is as prevalent in men as it is in women. Is there a difference between generations? The difference that I see in my experience is that the generation above mine, I'm a Gen Xers or you know, boomers, they just don't have the language for it. So they experience the same, but they don't have the same type of language that Gen Z or the millennial generation who talks about this frequently and is much more open to the concept. They just don't have the language. They just simply didn't realize it existed. So once I start explaining to it, once I start talking about the thoughts or I talk about the feelings that occur with it, I have both men and women who are like, oh, yep, that's real. I have felt that. I know exactly what that feels like. I didn't know it had a name is generally what I hear. I didn't know that that was a thing. And I didn't know that other people experienced it. I thought it was just me. From an additional research perspective, the one area where there might be a difference is that female entrepreneurs tend to suffer from it more. About 70% of female entrepreneurs suffer from imposter syndrome. And I would point directly to just the differences in the male-female dynamic. Men historically have been more entrepreneurial, but women are, we're coming along hot and heavy, so.
1: How big of a problem is this? Because I, again, the title of my book is Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, work a lot on the talent acquisition side, the interviewing side. We do pre-employment testing. So people are getting prepared. In the introduction of the show, I talked about that there's one out of four people in the workplace that are looking to quit their jobs, but there's that much unhappiness and disengagement in the workplace. So, you know, roughly it sounds like. Why aren't people leaving two thirds of the workforce is suffering from imposter syndrome because it's not the right time. Maybe I won't get it. Maybe I'll get rejected. What do you think? Absolutely,
0: I think I, I think two things. I think you can have the two thirds of the population that says, "I couldn't possibly leave because this is this is the best I can get. I couldn't possibly do more because it's not the right time or I don't have the right qualifications." You do see the disparity of male female on resumes. Um, men will have twenty <laughs> percent of the qualifications and they'll go for the job. Women almost. Like they want to have almost 100% of the qualifications before they go to a job, so there is that disparity there. So you have those folks, and then you have the people that are within their jobs, where I wonder if how much of their unhappiness is they're not really working within their skill set, they're not getting the reinforcement they need, they're not giving it them to themselves, they don't believe that that things can be changed, back to that fixed mindset. That can, that can come within an imposter. So how much of it, how much of those people that want to leave, if you approach them and started of talking to them about some of their dissatisfaction, how much of that is really internally driven from them and how much is the organization? And I don't know. I don't have those stats, but it would be interesting to know.
2: I love that, Alex, because Ira and I are big proponents of if we're going to fix employee experience, and that's what stirs the drink for culture, right? Culture is just the end product of what you get. What you actually do to get the culture that you want is you've got to create amazing employee experiences that matter for your employees, but also deliver value for the other stakeholders. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, we often talk about you got to change environment, but you also have to equip people with yeah. the skills. So it's not just always the organization pointing at people and saying, we've got to give you more skills. Sometimes the organization needs to look internally and understand These are the things we actually need to put within our experience to help people nurture and grow. And you just listed off a couple of those with employee recognition, uh, you know, giving them, you know, mobility and and career opportunities to grow the the way that they want to. When it comes to some of the, the personal skills, and I think this will get into some of the work that you do, what are some of those skills that you work on with them to help people become more confident in themselves? To have the type of life that they want to have or to have the type of work experience that they want to have
0: yeah a couple of different things and back to can i just touch on the employer to employee experience so you all probably know this it's a five to one ratio of praise to criticism praise is the easiest thing that we can give other people that will make the biggest difference in terms of their own mindset and how they feel about themselves i mean you watch how people react when you give them a compliment I mean, right? It changes everything. It is the cheapest, easiest form and is a great combatant to someone who is struggling with feeling like they're worthy or valuable within an organization. But it's a five to one ratio. And most people, most of the time it's reversed. I'm getting five pieces of negative feedback to one piece of great feedback. So to any employer listening, like, you want to make your people happier, for the goodness sakes, a thank you a please I, I literally have conversations of like please and thank you are required and a little bit of uh, praise goes a long way
1: so let's hey, just i'm yeah, oh, sorry alex mm-hmm. just to confirm that uh the the number two reason that employees stay in an organization is recognition There you go. It's positive people are looking for really complicated ways to what can we what can we do to stem the, the turnover rate, the retention, the great resignation, the great reshuffle, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's looking for these amazing and complex and, and these new solutions. And the reality is, number one is they want employees want flexibility. Number two on the list is recognition. And this probably fits in. Number three is a good relationship with a manager. And a good relationship with a manager starts with, hey, I, I, I'm not getting six negatives to one positive or five he negatives is- to one positive. Sounds, sounds like a pretty simple solution. And yet, and it doesn't cost anything.
0: Nothing. It costs us nothing. And it feels really good once you get used to it. But somehow or another, we develop this mindset that we should not need praise or we should not need affirmation. Like you are a strong human if you don't need somebody to tell you that you've done a good job. And I'm like, wait a second. Affirmation is, is not a negative. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna and grossing over like a- incompetence right? You help people develop the skills, but goodness sakes, I can find something good that somebody's done in a hot second. And that takes nothing. So, oh, thank you for reinforcing that. As far as what you can do on a personal side. So if I am struggling with imposter syndrome, because it does, right? It's a 50-50 or maybe even more than 50-50, but you've got to do your own work. And that starts with how you talk to yourself. So I spend a lot of time talking with people about how they talk to themselves and the types of language that we use. And so shifting and shaping that. And I'm going to give you a really clear example from this, what we're doing right now. You guys titled this, fake it till you make it. Now, if I'm a person that suffers from imposter syndrome, you, like you've triggered me in seven different ways with that because I'm like, fake it. I'm not good at being fake. Everybody's going to tell that I'm a fake and I don't want to fake it. This is awful. Please don't tell me to fake it. Cause I don't even know how to fake it. Like, am I supposed to act like Jason on this? Because, oh my God, now I'm terrified. What about Ira? Ira is totally different than Jason and I, it spins. So it's not fake it and make it. So I can dissect that as a person who, you know, struggles with the imposter. What's it? How will I know that I've gotten it? And once I get it, what's the next step for me? Cause I'm going to project way into the future and overthink the hell out of this. I didn't ask if it was okay to curse, but pardon my French. Um... <laughs> I tried to ask. Our
2: listeners have heard way worse. <laughs>
0: okay, good. <laughs> like I try to keep it PG and I'm still, you know, human. So fake it till you make it is like, that's not a phrase that's helping anybody. You want it? You want a phrase that'll help somebody that'll make this so much easier. Practice it until you get better. practice until you get better. Number one, that sets a reasonable expectation. Number two, it's very clear. And it also doesn't set me up for failure because if I fake it and I still haven't made it, I still didn't get that VP role, then somehow or another, I have failed. And then I'm going to take that failure and I'm going to continue to find confirmation in that failure everywhere I go. But if I practice until I get better, then I'm moving forward, then I can track my progress. And that's much easier and much more reasonable. Y'all, there's a normal curve for a reason, and people are at the very high end of a normal curve, right? So we look at, like, take whoever your, your hero is. I'll take Oprah. Maybe it's, I don't know, the world is so politically divided, but take your hero, that person that can looks like they can do anything, and they are in that top 20%. Well, the that's because that's, that's a normal curve. There's also 20% that's at the bottom. And then there's the rest of us who have this wide range of ability to improve, but we don't focus on that. So in an organization, we're not focusing on the middle, we're focusing either on remediating the bottom 20%, or pre, you know, like working the top 20% to death, let's be real, instead of improving that middle percent. And that same is true for us. There's always going to be somebody who's better somebody who's worse i need to work uh, on practicing within myself so that's something else that i teach folks
1: it's just amazing and and jason i'm just going to kind of bring her up again whitney johnson we talk about that s-curve uh smart growth and you know we talk about in the beginning it, it you know it takes three months six months a year of just practicing and, and the improvements are so slow and then all of a sudden we hit that sweet spot and we go we got it and then you know here with the top of the s yes curve and it's it's back to now growth is a little bit slower so it it seems to me um Alex, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with that S-curve or, or with Whitney. Uh, by the way, just for our listeners, she'll be the episode following this. So tr- great segue, yeah. Alex, and uh, it'll it'll continue on. But uh, I'm, I'm just thinking is that you, you have this imposter syndrome in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. that there's first few months of trying something new. It's not easy. I got to practice. I got to become better. Then I hit the sweet spot. I go, I got it. And now all of a sudden we're, we're a couple years into this position and something new happens or some new challenge comes up and they go, somebody's doubting me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Uh, maybe I'm too old. Uh, maybe things are changed. I can't deal with the younger generation. I can't deal with all this fast change. And now all of a sudden you have people that have, can have 10, 20, 30 years of experience, have this imposter syndrome again. So it's, it's really interesting. It's not like, oh, I cured it. I took the pill and it's gone. I got vaccinated against it and
0: whoops, yeah.
1: don't have to worry about it anymore. It's a process of
0: overcoming and of fact-checking. So you asked for a couple other like really easy ways to combat it. Number one, go through and list everything that you do know and that you have done right. I do this exercise a lot with groups, and it's amazing to watch people freeze because they're so used to figuring out what they've done wrong and attacking their problems that when I ask them to fill an entire sheet of everything that they know and have done right and have achieved, they're like... (sighs) And then they're like well but then i'll be bragging and i'm like oh for the love please brag if you're worried about bragging that probably means you're not a bragger so that really helps and then when you have a thought you guys have probably talked about this before is that everything we think is not true and so challenging that thought like is that really true am am i not supposed to be here and I, i pull up somebody's calendar and i'll say were you invited to the meeting yes i was invited then you're supposed to be there And so don't always trust what your thoughts are telling you, trust what the evidence shows, and you have ample evidence in your life that you have been a successful human being. So why don't we rely on those facts instead of whatever crappy story you're telling yourself in your head?
2: Love those practical tips, Alex. And we know we're gonna have to let you go here uh, fairly soon. So we wanna make sure that we get to our lightning round segment. We're gonna ask you just a few questions to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level and help our listeners get to know you too. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's go. All right. Let's start with CrossFit because our listeners may not know. You and I go to the same CrossFit gym here in Indianapolis, which is awesome. So got to ask the question. How'd you get into CrossFit?
0: Um, I had a really good friend who was doing it in the basement of another friend's house. She's actually a games athlete who was teaching it out of her basement. My friend was like, hey, you want to go to the basement of my friend's house and do this weird thing? And I was like, yeah. Let's do it. And so, and then that was nearly 10 years ago, and I still love it. I'm still there.
2: And talk about an activity that will humble you, but Everything. over time will help you become more confident as well. CrossFit will definitely do that. Um, how about this one? Let's take back to high school. What would your high school friends be surprised to see about you now?
0: Everything. Everything. I'm fitter. I was not an athlete. I, w- I, I was. I always tell people, like, I majored in college. Like, I majored in fast food and cigarette smoking. Um, I'm fitter. I'm much more confident. I'm outspoken. I'm all the things that I, my high school self didn't think she could be. They might have seen it, but I didn't see it. So they would be stoned that I wrote a book, that I own my own business, that I'm out there putting myself out. I don't think. I, I, in fact, I have a few on Facebook that are like, you're amazing. I'm like, yeah, I always was. I just didn't believe it.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that. And la- last one, we talked about confidence today in imposter syndrome. What's one of the, the biggest challenges that you've ever faced where imposter syndrome seemed to get in the way the most?
0: I had a former boss who told me that I was too effusive, that I was too, right, too much. And that it literally put me in therapy for forever. I had left the hospital. I had given up everything to pursue this career and I was crushed. I was crushed by this boss. And so I've had to overcome that. And I mean, by building my own business, by doing everything my way, by like just believing in myself. But yeah, it was somebody else that came along and, and took an aspect of my personality, this effusiveness and crushed it. And effusive actually means Um, expressing feelings of gratitude in an unrestrained and heartfelt manner. But I had never bothered to look that word up. I just took effusive because she said it all, you know, crappy like, she's like, you're just so effusive, you're so gross, like, look at you, you're everywhere. And it, I mean, it hurts so bad, but looking it up and looking at who I am and owning that piece of me, biggest, biggest thing I've ever done.
2: I love that that you took that fuel. One of my personal values is don't shrink for anyone, and I think that kind of uh, aligns with what you just shared there. Well, Alex, we we cannot thank you so much for for coming on and helping Googleization Nation understand how to become more confident, how to hush some of those voices that we have inside that tell us we aren't good enough, um, and we want to leave some ways that they can get in touch with you. And so, if you don't mind sharing that real quick. Um, How can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about the work you're doing?
0: Oh, my gosh. So first of all, go to my website, pswithalex.com. Get signed up for my weekly newsletter. It is not spam. There's funny memes and great communication tips. So you can find me there. You can listen to my podcast, Crash Courses in Communication. And then, of course, buy the book, Minivan Mogul, A Crash Course in Confidence for Women. It's also for guys, too. It's just that I branded. so. But I would love to have your support. Anyway, I'm on all the socials. Come follow along and um, introduce yourself. Tell me hi.
2: Thank you so much, Alex. And we will look forward to having you on again in the future sometime.
0: Love it. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much.
2: Hey, thank you, Alex. Have a great day. Stay safe.
0: Bye.
2: Ira, what were some of your big takeaways? That was some really good stuff that we got within 30 minutes. We know we we had to let her go there. but what were some some amazing takeaways that you had from that?
1: Yeah, there's so many, and uh, I think what we'll do is we'll come back, is we have some time after our our break, and we'll continue that session. But the you know the the number one was just the I I guess it was what she said that prompted it, which tied into what we talked about before with the S curve, uh, with Whitney Johnson that. And, and again, I've experienced, you know, people think it's like, you're successful, what do you have to worry about? You know, one of, one of the most intimidating experiences I had just uh, five years ago was going on a TED talk and people go, why would that be a problem? You've probably given a thousand speeches, uh, presentations. I spoke to, I spoke in a foreign country in front of 1500 people that no one, I mean, they had an interpreter, they had to translate. Um, what's the problem with speaking with people? And yet. The TED Talk was pretty humbling. It's like, what am I doing here? And and even during the process, it's like there were other people that, that were they were doing this for the first time. They they were you know that they, they had a story to tell and I go. Well, my story is not as good as their story. Again, it, it, it afflicts all of us. It's just amazing uh, putting it in perspective uh, of of how how that impacts our abilities. Uh, and and employers abilities to to find people but personal our personal people's ability to reach the potential, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely.
2: And I want to dig on that some more with you whenever we get back from our break. um, Because there was a lot of really good stuff there. And I love that you tied it in with Whitney's episode, which is going to be dropping after because my gears were headed that way too. So let's dig in on that a little bit more whenever we get back on the other side of the
1: break. And we want to thank everybody for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization or watching. If you're on here, we're going to come back and uh, Jason and I are just going to riff a little bit. Appreciate you being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not part of it yet, please go to googleizationnation.com. It's free. You can subscribe. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And in keeping with the theme that we were talking about, fixed and growth mindset, we're going to talk about adaptability. So stay tuned. We will be back in one minute. For most of us, Change is freaking terrifying, and unfortunately, there's no app
3: to adapt. That might change in the not-so-distant future, but for now, we're on our own. That means we can either accept our default future or reimagine our tomorrow. For those of you who choose default, good luck. Just remember, there's no pause button for change. You can't turn back the clock, and there's no get-out-of-jail-free card in this age of perpetual uncertainty. Like it or not, change will happen all around us. And that change is not becoming just more disruptive and frequent, but volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, or VUCA. Fortunately, you can make change work for you and turn it into your personal and competitive advantage. Reimagine your future to one in which you're living with purpose, you're happy, and you're growing, thriving, and flourishing. If you're ready to rewrite your next life chapter and regain control of your destiny in this never normal world, your journey starts here. Contact the leader in adaptability and making change work for you, your team, and your organization. Ira S. Wolf, adaptability.expert.
1: Hey, welcome back everybody to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We just had a great, great episode uh, with Alex Perry, minute, the minivan mogul. Uh, she's a recovering high achiever, a- a anxious high achiever. Not a recovering high achiever, but an anxious high achiever. Uh, if you missed that session and you just tuned in, hopefully you'll go back and you'll re-listen to it or rewind it on the podcast and uh, hear the beginning of it. Uh, so, Jason, I, w- I shared what my one of my takeaways was. Uh, what was one of your takeaways from uh, Alex's session?
2: Yeah, the S curve was a big one for me too. But the other one was she got into there's different types of imposter syndrome. Um, That's something I hadn't really considered before. uh, But that sometimes those negative thoughts, those can take the shape of like comparing yourself to others. So I'm not as good as Ira at such and such. That's probably where a lot of us go. But there can be other forms of imposter syndrome too, where it just flat out is a statement in our own heads of I can't do fill in the blank. And we're just comparing our, our, ourselves to ourselves and think we don't have the skill set or that we aren't uh, adaptable enough with the growth mindset that I just haven't learned that skill yet that it takes some work. You know, back to to the S-curve piece. We'd be really excited for our listeners to hear from Whitney Johnson. Whitney's an expert in growth and development of people and she uses that S-curve concept that you brought up, Ira. Where many times it can take three six 12 months before you eventually break through on something that you're trying to get better at where you hit that sweet spot i just want to share something to, to back that up and work that i used to do um with uh when people were trying to learn a second language particularly students so uh, english is second language students in school oftentimes i would do evaluations on figuring out where they were with their language development. And this ties in with the work that Alex does too, since she's actually a licensed speech and language pathologist. But there were basically two concepts of how language develops for people whenever they're trying to learn a second language. And that is BICS, B-I-C-S, that stands for Basic Interpersonal Communication Skills. And then the second set of skills is called CALP, C-A-L-P. And that stands for Cognitive Academic Language Proficiency. Well, just like it sounds, Bix is, how do you develop enough language? Like if if we went to Mexico IRA and we needed to have enough verbiage to say, where is some water? Where's the bathroom? Where can we get food? That's basic interpersonal communication skills. To become proficient in those in a second language, you're typically looking at one to two years is what it takes to develop that kind of language proficiency. The cognitive academic language proficiency is Now, do you have a strong enough understanding to read academic books and really accelerate your learning at a high cognitive level in that second language? That often takes three to six years. The reason I share all that is, language is something we all do. It's something we have to do, but it definitely falls on the S curve. And it's something that if we want to get better at it, we have to continue practicing it. And we can't just let those negative fixed mindsets get in the way, or it prevents us from developing and growing and picking up different types of literature and challenging our thinking on things that we think that we already know. So this really is a concept that really is core to who we are and to our futures in terms of how we develop and grow and how we solve the problems, not just of today,
1: but the problems of the future too. We talk about the what are some ways people can get beyond it? And the, and this happens every week. The parallels with this is we're uncovering how whether it's well-being or having a better employee experience or or growth and development or or just literally sur- learning how to beyond go beyond surviving this never normal, but starting to grow and thrive in it. And you know I think people are finally becoming convinced. Uh, that it's not going to it's not going to change overnight, and and just you know before the uh, before we recorded this, I shared with you an article, and I, I thought for sure this was going to be this was already a, a defined psychological disorder, uh, but they talked about the cascading effect of trauma or the cascading effect um, of of stress, and it it provided a list. I don't know if I have it here. I I, I think I closed the window that it was on, but when you think about you know, what we went through with, with the, with the pandemic. And, and then all the events that have happened since then, and now we're two years out. And here's the summer and this was, we were supposed to be back to normal and go to concerts and go to vacations. And, and now we have COVID arising and everybody you seem to talk to has knows somebody or has already been infected and down, down and out. Fortunately, we're not dying and hospitalized because of it, but it is, is, it, it, it is impacting us. But just this week, I mean, we've got runaway inflation, we've got record heat. Um, so there, you know, and, and you can say, well, it's hot, but there's people's lives that are being disrupted. You have planes that runways that are literally melting. Uh, you have wildfires. Uh, we have an economy that we, we don't, when there's a lot of uncertainty, we don't know where that's going to go. Uh, we have what we've talked about each week is all these stress levels and burnout and people shifting jobs. Um, there it's just one thing after the other it. Uh, And now, you know, and then you you throw in politics to it and you throw in the economy to it. Um, It's it's just again, it's one thing after the other. So we're literally if I would almost say if everybody doesn't feel somewhat like they're an imposter in, in today's world, that's a challenge. And I'm so glad that that Alex brought up my title that I came up with was fake it till you make it. And I knew there was some negativity to that, but she really clarified that because one is to some degree, we got to fake it till we make it. We, we got to try things and we're never, we're not perfect and we're going to make mistakes and that fits into the whole fixed mindset and growth mindset, but I, I don't, I might've come from India in your backyard the other day um that there's now they're gonna the airlines are gonna say hey you don't have to have a uh, you don't have to have a well you're gonna have to earn the license but you don't have to come from the, the armed forces to be able to fly that we're gonna take we're gonna do it through simulations and we're gonna teach people people who have the potential and the knack well i love that idea I love that idea of apprenticeships and and looking at how we're going to train and skill and upskill and reskill people differently but i'm not sure that i want a pilot who's faking it till they're making it i don't know if i want a surgeon who's faking it till they make it i'm not you know and we, we probably have a lot of teachers and maybe psychologists and consultants who fake it till they make it and that's not necessarily a good thing either so there's that fine line between i've got to develop the skill and the confidence and the competence to be able to do the job. But at the same time, you can't be perfect. That's so
2: well put. And it's funny you bring that up, you know, with psychologists. There's always inside jokes with psychologists, right? Like pretty much everyone is a psychologist. Um, But one of the things I'll share is another tip for me that's helped me because I've had imposter syndrome challenges too over the years. And one of the things that, that I've used that have helped me the most is I created an alter ego. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, Ira. Um, and and just to prime oh, I mean, right. you, oh, yeah, I mean, right. I'm gonna ask you here in a minute if you have an alter ego, but I'll share who mine is real quick. And so obviously for those who might be wondering alter ego, you may have heard before like a lot of celebrities or people that maybe perform in front of large groups or do public speaking. They may come up with an alter ego. Uh, for instance, um, uh, Sasha Fierce is the one from uh, Destiny's Child lead singer Beyonce, that she came up with one whenever she steps onto the stage. She's not Beyonce, she's Sasha Fierce. Well, for me, my alter ego is Doc Savage. Doc Savage is that personification that I created. And I drew up and I said, Doc Savage is the aspect of my personality that never doubts what is going to come out of his mouth next. Um, And he's extremely confident and he doesn't allow any negative thoughts or intrusive thoughts to enter his mind. And so whenever I'm about to do public speaking and things like that, I step into that alter ego that I created. And you have to practice it. You have to write out who it is because it's gonna be a, a real aspect of your personality that you step into. But having said all that, I'm curious, have you ever dabbled in alter egos, Ira? Do you have one?
1: I probably have. I mean, it's interesting as I said, listening to you describe it. I probably have. I'm not sure I was as articulate and as precise as, as sitting down, drawing it out, who it is, you know, providing it a name. Um, but there was, I, I think, my alter ego. And if I if I do it now, it, it's probably a, a conglomerate and aggregate of a lot of people. Uh, that I've admired, that I've seen do things and I go, wow, I wish I could do it that way, or I wish I could be them. And at one point is, um, you know, I'll never be them because I'm, you know, I'm too old or I'm too short or, you know, I, whatever the reason, or it's, it's a stage in my life, whatever it might be. Um, but over time, um, when I when I do my speaking, um, I, I, I literally, I guess it's my zone, and maybe, maybe that's what it is, is... When I'm on stage, and when I'm presenting, I'm um, I'm sort of in the zone. It's almost an out of body experience, because normally, um, you know, I'm an introverted heart, and it's amazing how many guests we've had. They say, "What would your high school, what would your high school uh, classmates be surprised at?" Well, mine wouldn't be surprised at the extroversion. I was president, of the, I was president of the student council, and I was active, and everybody knew me. Um, but it, I I had to practice that. I had I I was I was active, and I acted like an extrovert. But I wasn't, but I had the, the behaviors of an introvert when I was with everybody, I didn't have to be the loudest, I didn't have to be the leader, I sort of was the, you know, even even as a, you know, even as a leader of committees or of the class, um, it was more leaded by walk the talk. We, you know, more more than that that outgoing motivational rah-rah you know get everybody riled up uh type of thing so i think my alter ego is probably a combination of you know a lot of people and just from experiences but uh but it's an interesting exercise and i'll have to try that i'll have to think about it
2: awesome and so we challenge googleization nation think about that too uh you know that might be a tip or tactic that you can uh uh, try On Yourself is coming up with Alter Ego. But speaking of our listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in today and being part of Googleization Nation. If you haven't joined, uh, please go to um And there's some links there that you can click on to join our growing community. We have nearly 10,000 members now Getting close to that point within our community, Googleization nation. So thank you. We also just want to remind you, you can get the Sherm credits. Reach out to Ira or myself on LinkedIn. Send a direct message if you'd like to get Sherm credits uh, for these episodes. And then lastly, if you haven't left a rating or review of the show, uh, please do so. We love to to get your feedback. So until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off for Geeks Users Googleization.
1: And I'm Ira Wolf, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. And as Jason said, uh, please go up and, and subscribe to GoogleizationNation.com. We have a lot of big announcements coming on. We're going to have a new mini episode series uh, coming up, and the first one's going to be with uh, our new partner, Ivanti. Uh, uh, You've heard me speak a lot about them, about the empl- not the digital employee experience in the everywhere workplace. Uh, but we're going to you'll be hearing a lot more about them. So we have a lot of good things. And to keep up with a lot of those events, uh, especially coming up this fall a lot of the changes for geek skeezes and Googleization, join GoogleizationNation.com, uh, And uh, you'll get the emails and um, down the road, probably some texts about that. Until next time, don't let the shift. Hit your plans.